Hey guys, welcome to episode 22 of the Ace of Spada podcast, hosted by your boy, Anthony Spada. Today's guest is none other than DLD Nation coach, Vanessa Burke, otherwise known as Vegan Beats. Um, it was an incredible conversation, guys. We discuss her past and how she dealt with it, and we delve more into my past, and we go into details that I haven't given before. And she goes into details that she hasn't given before, and it was very emotional. I do want to apologize right off the bat, though, and say the first 15 minutes, there was an audio error. So if there's a bit of double takes by me, and there's a bit of echo, please just try to work through it um, and listen as best you can. I do apologize for that, but that's where the meat of the conversation is, so I apologize deeply, but it has so many lessons within it. And we also talk about her being a vegan and her navigating the world of fitness and how she found fitness. And before we get into this conversation, I want to announce that I am having a wait list now for my coaching. Uh, I want to expand as quickly as possible, guys, but I want to make sure my systems are all set up to do that. So if you guys want to sign up for the wait list, just go down to the link and the Google form in the show notes and fill that out. I'll send you guys a free five-day workout program for at least getting on the wait list so you could see what I have to offer. And I offer basically training and nutrition. So if you guys want help with that and you guys want to change, let me know. I'm your guy. So everybody, let's welcome on Vanessa Burke. All right, uh, Vanessa, welcome on to the show. So, um, for for this, who before we even started this, we had a, we had a very big technical issue where forty minutes of struggle and pain, trying to get something to work, and we just had to rely to rely Zoom. So, so finally got it. Vanessa Burke is coming on on the show right now. Um, she's a vegan, vegan. She's a bodybuilder. We're into more of her story. So, Vanessa, if you want to take it away on on how. All this got started for you. Everything thing from getting into fitness to becoming, becoming a coach, um, getting, getting into the nation. Um, you just you just take away and I'll ride. Oh, dude, thank you so much. Um, so thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited. And thanks for going through that treacherous technological issue with me. <laughs> like We're already bonded. Um, so I've been involved in the fitness industry for about 15 years. My initial introduction of fitness was through a lot of really bad soccer plays. Um, then like obviously like community soccer, I think was like a big thing. Like most of us have been a part of, um, but where it started getting serious or where there was more traction was when I got introduced to yoga. So yoga was my first certification. I've been practicing for about, uh, 15 plus years and I do a lot of Hatha style and such, but then I then I got into like HIIT workouts and OCRs and triathlons and swimming and all those things. But bodybuilding didn't come to the picture until I met my partner. Um, so my partner struggled with obesity for a great portion of his life and he fell into bodybuilding. And then like he, it's been like an 11 year process and he's now this like stick of muscle. And when he first met me, I was still, so I struggled with eating disorders and anorexia and bulimia for about 22 years. And I'm recovered now, so I'm in a good space. But 
bodybuilding kind of came to me um, through George. And I honestly just went because I had a crush on this guy and I was like, all right, I'll join you. Why not? Um, and I never anticipated it becoming a hobby, a passion, something that gives me grounding along with yoga. So I've found that yoga and bodybuilding have a very symbiotic relationship. And through lifting, my marathon races have improved, my OCR performance, my yoga mobility has improved. And then through yoga, I'm much better with my breathing, bracing my core, really understanding my body and what's going through everything while I'm doing any compound lifts or new movements. So fitness kind of just like has always been there, but it didn't become a passion until um, well, I met George, but even before that, I got into HIIT workouts and outdoor training because I was in a really poor, bad place. Like, I guess it kind of goes like a lot of my story is um, struggled anorexia and bulimia, but in caught, like I moved to, I, I'm going all over the place. I lived in Korea for about 10 years. So okay. I moved there in 2010 after I dealt with a horrible trauma and I thought moving across the world would give me I would like leave my trauma in America and I'd be able yeah. to start free or fresh in Korea. And soon after I fell into a very abusive relationship and it was absolutely horrendous. It took me over three years to finally escape and fitness, like this free workout was there and it gave me an out. And I think that fitness showed up when I really needed saving and I needed to discover who I was and become reconnected with my body and that's where fitness started really happening. And oh, I'm kind of like jumping all over the place, but I would teach yoga to this group. I started getting into CrossFit. I was running my own business as like a dog walker. I would teach yoga at bars and on rooftops throughout Seoul. And then George introduced me to bodybuilding and all this stuff gave me connection with my body and empowerment. And then I discovered like, oh shit, I can get really strong. And if I feed myself too, uh, I can take my dog on all the adventures I've really wanted. So I, I guess it's like all these different spots of where fitness kind of was always in my life, but really came into it when I needed it the most. Yeah. I think that the first thing I think before I met you, I think you, I followed Sean and Sean and, Dave, and then I read, I read your story on dealing with the anorexia, mm-hmm. one of those posts, posts and I'll kind of Seeing more of your posts and reading about about you have so much in common from that phase where we, like our past traumas brought us to fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you meeting George is probably probably incredible. I think that's amazing. Where I differ first, fitness was, was just me. It wasn't even, even like someone else brought me in there. It was yeah. like I, I had to bring myself. Mm-hmm. I think that was like the hardest thing about the journey. I just want to go to go into your experience, kind of, kind of dealing with, with it, with, with Mimi and anorexia and kind of recovering from it. Like, like going through that whole 22 years you dealt with it. Yeah. It was a uh, 22 years of struggling with it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Like there were ebbs and flows where it was specifically really bad. And when I was in, so like, kind of like peeling back more, like the reason why I moved to Korea, cause I was raped by my best friend in college and I went to court. And I just became more and more dissociated from my body. And with that, my anorexia and bulimia strengthened. And that, like, I almost, 
I almost don't recognize that woman who I was because I was very much a shell of who I was. Like my fire, my light, everything was so dim. And when I fell into that abusive relationship, my disorders got even worse. And like, I feel like they were my identity and I was kind of lost in the background. And it's, it's so, it sounds, it's a lot like more complex than I'm making it sound, but by finding a great mentor and finding my coach and finding things, it was almost like these little fishing lines were given to me of like, Hey, there's still hope. There's still a chance. Like you can get strong. Like you are capable of making friends. You're capable of owning your body. And it was like all these different pieces of like trauma and shadows. I was getting a little glimmer of light and there was like a accumulation of positive environments positive people, mentors, people that they didn't know I was sick, but they still supported me and helped me out throughout the journey. And then finding bodybuilding and then finally being into a place where I was able to compete. I've always wanted to compete my whole life, but I never thought that I was healthy enough or worthy. And when I finally put on enough muscle and like was getting my menstrual cycle and all these different goals that I've had started following through, it was like, oh, like, I, maybe I, I'm deserving of recovery. Maybe I'm deserving of being healthy. And of course, I don't recommend um, hope. Competing is not a way to recover, but for me, it very much helped facilitate that because my coach that I had prior to this for my first season was absolutely phenomenal. And when I like forked over the money and hired and invested in him, I was like, well, shit, Vanessa, you really need to take this prep really seriously because I didn't want to be on stage thinking like if only I didn't purge that day or if only I met my macros that day and like there was just so much on the line and I was like I really wanted to be as dedicated as possible so my prep last year was an entire year of prep and by fueling my body by eating more than I've ever done and by tracking being empowered through understanding macros and micros I was be able to, I was able to bring a physique that I never thought humanly possible for me specifically. And through the love of the sport and achieving that goal and having a great coach and the 22 years of failing and succeeding and like three steps forward, 10 steps back in regards to recovery. I was like, all right, this is pretty good. Like I really want to try this healthy life and be able to be friends with my body. And so it's just been pretty cool <laughs> to finally yeah. be recovered and to be able to say like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a bikini competitor. I get to compete. That's an honor. Yeah. That's, that's, that's something I did not know about, about you when you went through that. I didn't know you went through, through like the rain, everything. Um, but, but I went through when, when I went through my, the night of my suicide, I kind of remember it was January, January 15th. Um, I purely, purely remember having the knife in my, my hand ready to slip my wrist wrist, and kind of just end it all. And there's that fish line of light. One thing said, said, not do it. And I think that was the most night I ever went, went into my mind, mind that much with, with dealing with that. Um, I don't like to talk about the details. Usually, usually. I, um, I told my story on Instagram, but I left out like, Good, good amount of details of what I went through, went through, because it's really hard to describe. And I think you're gonna gonna understand this with like the mental factors that go into into like things such as like bullying and all that stuff. Where 
you really don't, really don't know how mentally someone is there. And and think that was the toughest thing to deal with was even just recovering from that that and seek any help. I wish I did. Uh, um, I went through it on my own, and the next day, day like it was back to the same. Yeah. I really don't know. Don't know how to describe it. It was just like I went back there, there, and it was fitness was my outlet. So, so no one was really really there. I my dad actually know any of this until I wrote that post and he and he read that post while he was in the car with my mom and and um he he said don't show me the, don't show me that now now because he was in the car and he started to cry as they were about to go shop shopping so like he didn't want to read the read the rest like he only he only read the first the first first comment the first caption but he didn't read the rest till he got home and He's kind of been sharing my story, which is thing I didn't really think my client would do. Yeah. I think it's was, was something incredible, but like also going through and through you, like I've also had those bouts too. It's like I threw the bullying, got got to the to the point of commit suicide. So I got over that that new high in fitness, fitness, and then when I got to college, it. Hit, hit with the alcohol and the party partying and then the and the anxiety and then you lose it again and then i lost touch and i did the, the exact thing you did i did i hired i hired a coach mm-hmm. in august and it's made 100 percent difference like like ever since august august is my whole whole world has shit like a whole 180 yeah i've created created this um i created some some so following on, on instagram Create a connection with ridiculous amount of people, and it's just kind of kind of incredible what fitness can really do for people. Mm-hmm. And you don't understand it until you've been through it. And I think people need to be go through through something. I wouldn't say they need to, need to go something traumatic, but a lot of a lot of the people who are some of the best co- coaches in the industry and some of the, some of the best people, the people went through some sort of traumatic moment in like their life. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm, I'm really glad you're here. And <laughs> yeah, but I can really resonate with, I mean, I know I, I always kind of like, I see some of those posts, like, I believe you have to go through something traumatic to make, like to learn about yourself. And sure, it sounds harsh, but I partially do agree. I feel like you need to be tested in your life at some point to discover your potential. And when you are backed into a corner, where you're like, I, I need to dig deep. Or, or I don't know what the other thing option is. It's you really, you, you are forced to understand your grit and your potential. Like for sure. I definitely don't want to go through any of my traumas again, but I know that through my own internal work, I've I've been able to take those traumas and use them to my advantage so that I, not advantage, but they help me be a better resource and tool so I can better serve my purpose on this earth of supporting women and helping women heal. So I'm also like, we talked yesterday, like I was a therapist, I'm still a rape crisis counselor. And I still like a lot of women that I do work with are fellow survivors or, you know, women that have left a lot of like traumatizing industries. And a reason why I really care about this career and everything is just because I know what fitness can provide people. And you know, 
from hearing your story and knowing other people's stories and then my own, it's just like fitness gave me my life back. And I never thought that I would be able to have this life. Like I think about 11 year old me when I start, when I started dieting, if I could meet her now and just be like, look at, look at where you, where you grew, grew to look what happened. Like it would just blow my mind. Like yeah, never thought that, you know, being confident, being able to like have the honor of working with people and meeting other like-minded fitness individuals. It's like, holy shit, life's pretty cool when you give it a chance. Yeah. Um, but I definitely can resonate with you and just when things are really dark and you deal with like bullying or trauma and sometimes ending your life um, seems like the saving option in that moment. But, you know, something inside of us is like, hey, not yet. It's not your time. And so, Anthony, I'm really glad you're here. Hey, guys, want to interrupt this podcast real quick to let you guys know that I am looking for five new clients. Yes, I finally opened my coaching business, so I am ready to take on five new clients. If you guys are looking to change your lives and just get nutrition and workout help, I am here for you. I offer an affordable rate as good for anybody. I'm trying to learn as much as possible, and you guys are trying to learn, so it's my time to give back to you guys. So if you want to be one of the five, you can either DM me on Instagram or email me at spadafitness at gmail.com. All right, guys, let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, it's, I mean, I was talking to, I wrote a post today about it. I have a quote that I'm going to read from the Bible, not a religious person, but it resonated with my story. And it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character and character produces hope. And it goes back to where you were saying fitness gives you life, where it truly did develop who, like I, those moments of suffering are the ones I don't ever like to talk about those people, but in a way I'm truly thankful for those people who bully me. If you fully understand that. Oh, I so get it. (laughs) Like it's a tough thing to say, but you got to be grateful for what went through that because like I said in my post, I wouldn't be here doing this podcast. This podcast would have no meaning without my story. Literally have none. Yeah. And it's like, I am forever grateful for that. So it's like, that's why I got that tattooed on me because it's like those sufferings produces everything that I am today. Yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a positive to this guys. Yeah. That's always like taking, cause it was funny. I just like, I told you, I finished up my workout. I was talking to one of the trainers there and we were talking about like, he was also a severely bullied kid and it's ironic. It's so weird. Like some of the kids that made my life miserable, they're contacting me asking for coaching now. It's like, what? (laughs) But it's one of those, like, sure, I have compassion. I understand, like, in those moments, those kids were like me. They were really in pain. They didn't know their identity. So they projected their own securities onto others. And, but all of that bullshit and negativity and stuff, like, it, it creates scars in our ment, like, how we feel about ourselves. And so to be able to deal with those traumas and those events and come out stronger is a testament to your potential. And yeah, like, it is a positive, like, now you're creating this amazing podcast where you can talk to 
thousands and influenced tons of people and just sharing your story and your adventure and someone out there, you know, for sure. It's like me too, Anthony. Thanks. Yeah. I'm going to try Like I, it's awesome. I'm so glad that I'm, I'm always glad like all the stuff in our story, all the baggage, it contributes to that magnificent magnificence of who we are. And you know, I, I said it a while ago, like the worst case scenario is we learn something. Like we learn yeah. how to be better people, better connect with others, better navigate like problematic situations. Like, yeah, it may be shitty when we go through it, but ultimately we come out stronger and with even more perspective. Yeah. yeah. And I think you brought up like how it builds up kind of scars and everything. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this last night. Um, I'll come out and say it right now. It's like, you become pretty emotionally unavailable. Yeah. I think that's something that's really affected me. And I'll give an example. Um, I remember my grandma passed away and I don't think I cried until the day we had her kind of like viewing, like it took that long. Like I saw her that night when she passed but it took me that long for me to even shed a tear. Yeah. And that was my senior year of high school. So that was the day before my senior year of high school. I, it was just like nothing. Yeah. And it's kind of been something that I struggle with. And I don't know if you went through the same process during like what happened with you, mm-hmm. but I've learned to kind of just shut myself in. Yeah. Like, yes, I've been in relationships before, like during this period of time between that past, like between my stuff happening and me being here now, but it's like this, it's hard to show an emotional state because I don't like being vulnerable anymore. I hear you. I totally hear you. Um, It's a lot of, I can really resonate. Like I was so dissociated from my body and from my emotions, which seems crazy right now because I'm so in tune with my emotions. Um, But I was, dissociation was a way of protecting myself and, you know, being emotionally unavailable or like putting up those walls are ultimately there because, you know, they're trying to serve a purpose. They're trying to protect you. So this is, we were talking about a little bit about IFS therapy last night. Um, and there's the internal family systems, essentially what it is. And so there's the inner child. There's the part of us that we're trying to protect and nurture. And then there's the manager and the fire part, firefighter part. So tip, like, for example, like if we're going into a social setting, we don't know anybody immediately. Our child part is like, I don't feel safe. I feel uncomfortable. So maybe the firefighter part's like, Hey, I know how to deal with this. I'm going to binge drink it's still serving the purpose of protecting that child part, but it's maybe tapping into destructive habits or behaviors. The manager part's going to be like, you know what? I'm going to stick around the wall. Maybe I'll find a dog to hang out with. I'll like see a familiar face. So it's still serving the purpose of protecting that child part of you, except it's choosing a, a healthier method. And so I like IFS therapy and internal family systems is to better identify like, Hey, this is this child part that's feeling vulnerable. And these are the two different ways or multiple different ways that I tend to cope or maneuver or navigate through these particular situations. So like, I also think that in nearly every single action, a part of us is trying to protect ourselves and to, for, to be safe. And so sometimes putting up a wall keeps us safe. 
sometimes avoiding situations altogether keeps us safe or sometimes closing down or whatever. There's so many different things. I know when, when I'm feeling anxious, I tend to talk really quickly because it's trying to remove myself from feeling anxiety. So I'm trying to distract my mind, if this makes sense. Like, so I can, I can hear you. It's one of, I guess what I'm saying is like being dissociated and being emotionally unavailable it's serving a purpose for you or it's, it's there because it was trying to protect you from something. It's when we develop the progress or the step to understand like, Hey, you served your purpose, but now you can be on the bench. You're not helping me right now. And I don't need you to protect me. I've got this. And that's a really hard place to navigate of like, I know, I think I was telling you, like when I first started dating George, I had, I just got out of a very abusive relationship. I like decided like I got a new dog and I'm like I'm gonna do my life and then he showed up and I was like fuck no like not into you nope not gonna happen but something inside me is like Vanessa the walls are there but you can take off a brick let him in maybe and like slowly and surely I just exposed small parts of me that I felt comfortable with and now I'm in one of the most fulfilling relationships I've ever been in in my life and it's like and I'm completely myself it's very nice granted there's still a lot of work for me to do but it's you choose when you are ready to bench some of those emotions it doesn't mean they're not important they've been there for a reason but maybe they don't need to play the ball game for you right now yeah yeah no I totally understand that yeah it's coming it's like a point where I think every time I think about this it's like I use my age as an excuse for it because I'm only 22. So it's like, I want to do all these different things. So I become emotionally unavailable because I want to do things for myself right now, mm-hmm. which is serving that purpose that you were talking about. But yeah. in a year or so, like if I still have my business, which I believe I will, you will, <laughs> it's, it's going to be my whole like viewing of those will change. Yeah. Like, like from the people I affect and the clients I talk to, like my mind can change. Yeah. It's just how open I am to, and we were talking about this yesterday, not judging myself. Yeah. Cause I think that's a thing that people always deal with is mm-hmm. you're always going to judge yourself. And it's really funny because I'm going to mention another post I brought up that I talked with Sean about, and he was taught, and it was the one about I am enough. Yes. And I think that was a huge one for me. Um, it's, I think I've said it about three times within the past, three times in the past, like two years. Um, yeah. I think once I started to realize the true effect, it's really happened recently. I think the two times in the past year is when. I think I finally started to connect with a ton of people on the podcast and then my client testimonial. Yes. The other day that I got where it was like, cause the first testimonial, I'm never going to forget that. That's like yeah. something I'll never forget when it's like, Oh cool. I'm enough to teach somebody yeah, like what I learned and mm-hmm. teach somebody the ropes that they now go to. And now they're mentally in a better place. Yeah. And then it's like, once and I talked with Brad Jensen on the podcast where we discussed like my anxiety with alcohol and his battle without and like drugs and everything. 
And I think that conversation where we kind of just let it all out, where it was just me and him and it felt like we weren't even doing a podcast. It was like, all right, dope. Like, I don't think I connected with anybody on that level before besides Sean, but that's because me and Sean clicked over a ton of external things. So it was like cool to see that happen. But I don't know if you dealt, I know you've definitely dealt with this, but how did you get over that like thing of getting over your own judgment of yourself and kind of, Yeah, I think that was like, that's a great question. And I'll be really honest, that's something that I'm still navigating and trying to understand. I think it's accumulation of millions of little micro wins that kind of contributed. So I was thinking like a lot of people, like a lot of my clients, they talk about the languages of love. Have you heard of this? Um, Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I know that I hate admitting it, but I'm definitely someone who likes words of affirmation. (laughs) Yeah, words of affirmation and quality touch or quality time and um, intimacy are things that I really that shows love to me more than like gifts or service and such like that. And when I first got into like it's it's really when I started like so the the fitness group I used to go to in Korea is called the Be More Human Project, and my mentors were the ones that invited me to it. Um, they weren't my mentors then, but they became my my coaching mentors. Okay. They're still like, the greatest coaches. Um, and it was through, cause like my abuser used to tell me I was not enough and I was unworthy. He would threaten me. He was, he was like a lot of horrible things I won't have to get into here, but I was so brainwashed and believed that I was unworthy that when all of a sudden these strangers, these fitness people who I'm like, God, they're so in shape. They look amazing. We're like, Vanessa, great job. I want to see you next week. Keep up the good work. And people were showing me love and embrace and reception those started playing into like, Hey, like my ex is wrong. He's full of shit. Maybe I don't have to believe him. And then my, through that. And then seeing like, like you said, like the testimonials, a huge thing, like a bunch of my clients, like, um, so I was doing, when I was primarily teaching yoga, I remember one of my clients, um, he's kind of an extremist and he shattered both of his feet and his knee. Okay. So he wasn't able to walk. And so we were doing yoga, I think three times a week for months and he was finally able to walk again. He was able to move again. And he was just like, Vanessa, you've changed my life. And that was something I was like, hey, like, maybe I'm, maybe I do have something to offer. Maybe I can help. Cause I usually was just primarily taking care of dogs. And I know dogs and I like were really in sync, but my ability to start being kind to myself and to be loving to myself is when I started kind of like putting all the pieces together of like, Hey, these other people are affirming me. These people do want me here. And then it was also, sometimes it's really important to take your language of your love language and practice it on yourself. And I know it sounds kind of silly, but I tell a lot of my clients as well to like stop and have a conversation with your body and with yourself. Cause we spend a lot of time investing energy into relationships external to us, like our friends, partners, family, et cetera. But how often do you sit like, Hey buddy, what's going on with you? What do you need? How can I help you? And creating and building that love for yourself. Cause I know you said like, you kind of did this on your own as well. And in the, in the end, like we're in our corner all the time. And so we've got to show up for ourselves And that can be really challenging, really hard. The relationship with our body and with our own mind can be the most frustrating, tumultuous, 
butting head system. But I know that like with time, I, in 2016, when I left my abuser, adopted Freya and like, it was basically like years of planning escaping this relationship finally happened in 2016 I remember like the first evening like Vanessa you're not fucking doing shit for anyone else your goals come first your dogs come first your cat comes first if anyone gets in the way cut them out and when I kind of made that like declaration for myself shit just started matching sift like met George, got that dog, got like promoted to be a manager at my gym. Like all these, it was like when I was finally open to receiving the universe's gifts, she was like, oh, thank God I've been waiting. (laughs) Like with so many great things. So it's, I think it's like when I started allowing myself the opportunity to receive my potential and to be like, no, I am worthy of love and I'm worthy of loving myself. When I started like allowing that to come in, things just started happening. It was like, there's this quote I really love and it's um I told my body I wanted I just wanted to be friends and she said I've been waiting for my whole life I've been waiting for that for my whole life and it was just like oh when I started embracing myself for who I am and just be like yeah I'm flawed yeah I do have a lot of trauma but there's nothing wrong with me I'm trying my best and that's when I started when I started exercising my own gentleness to myself that I have in my clients that's when like things started happening yeah long question it's like still it's still a work in progress oh yeah I think I do it a lot now now that I have this it's opened up like you said like once you're accepting once I created this and I started reaching out to more of the community Mm -hmm. it's that's when the love started to come in and that's when a lot of people started to kind of just take notice of things and that's when you start to get into those conversations in like Instagram direct messages like that's like Instagram direct messages can be amazing if you make it amazing. Oh yeah. And it like, I think it's how I got every single guest on here. So it's like trying to even just like reach out to someone. It's incredible. And Mm -hmm. I think when I posted my story, I think that's when I finally started to come to terms with opening myself up to things where it's like, you know what you went through this so long ago it's not there anymore it's still there in your mind but it's not you you're not that kid anymore you're 22 you're doing shit on your own you're doing shit for yourself and it's like that's where all the pieces started to come together that's when I started to get like a bunch of guests on my shows and started to book a ton of people is when I kind of just took time with myself like and I think yeah you do it. And most of my guests who are on the show do it is practice meditation where you're just with yourself. There's nothing there, but your thoughts. And it's like, people always say your thoughts kind of dictate your life. And it's really is true because if you can clear out those negative thoughts when you're meditating, like they're there, if you know that they're there, but you don't let them affect you. It's like, that's when, life truly becomes kind of next level yeah and and I'm like and I'm like going on trips and I'm like making things happen because I kind of just said fuck it that's what I want to do and it's like Mm -hmm. no one's truly telling me like if I have the money to go on a trip I'm going on a trip it's not even like the done deal like Mm -hmm. no one's gonna stop me from doing what I want to do like 
mm-hmm. told my parents I was going to the Arnold. They're like, okay. Like they didn't have any say. <laughs> like I was like, it's my money. I'm paying for it myself. And it's like, I'm doing that to connect with the people that I've had on the show. And it's like another cool yeah. way of just a connection. Mm-hmm. That's like the thing I know social media gets a lot of crap. Like I personally have found Instagram to be an incredibly beautiful space for me. Um, That's how I met my current coach. Um, It's how I've met Dela and Sean and Monica and like all these other amazing people. Like we've cultivated true friendships and connections and relationships through it. And I've met a lot of phenomenal people because I think the beauty of Instagram and other social media outlets is that it expands the tribe you can build, like, you know, your vibe is your tribe, like your tribe attracts your vibe and such. Like, um, I've met so many phenomenal individuals that I, I have the opportunity to learn from and to be guided by and just to understand and like entertain different perspectives. And it's like, man, like social media can be really great if you audit your crew appropriately, like make sure you're not, you know, dabbling in individuals that are things that will take from your life or take from your energy source instead surround yourself with things that contribute and bring life to you so I think that's why you see so many people like like Sean and Dale if you look at their profiles you see how many people follow them but you Mm -hmm. see you if you're you're kind of big into being an influencer you kind of look at the number next to that and see how many people do they follow and who do they follow Yeah. If they're vibing with those people, those are the people you want to be with. Yeah. And I think that's like the big thing. Like, yeah, I, I think every single one of my followers, I have DM'd. I think every single one that's not a Bitcoin investor, those (laughs) crap (laughs) RoboCop things that they have on there that are kind of just rolling around in Instagram, adding every fitness person saying you want to invest in this. Um, I think every true person I have, I think I DM. I always say thank you for the follow. And I think it's just, it's worth it because they take notice of that. And I think Mm -hmm. like you said, that's the beauty of Instagram because I wouldn't be anywhere without the Instagram. This thing, like I said before, this podcast is nothing without that. Like, how am I getting guests? I I have no clue. It would just be me and myself (laughs) just talking about a bunch of nothing. Um, but yeah, it's just a beautiful thing. And I kind of wanted to, I know you mentioned like meeting uh, Dale and Sean. If you want to go, like, I want to know though, just for my, just kind of like my curiosity, like how did you actually meet them and end up becoming like a DLD coach? Yeah. So it's like kind of like, so I, like I very much, I'm not a very spiritual person, but I do believe that the universe is always kind of like trying to give us symbols and signs. Um, so I've been following Dela for a while and built like a friendship and always like loved her strength and her tenacity and her empowerment. And I loved um, Sean's meditation aspect and how mindful he was and like he and I pretty click he's also he's a quarter Korean I'm a half Korean I'm half Korean yeah. so we were just like yo <laughs> what's up like <laughs> but, um, so Dela's business like DLD Nation was a community that I have always so deeply admired and I remember being like you know what one like I was trying to do my own online business and I was like I'd love to have something like DLD Nation and what can I do in my life to help me know them, learn even more from them and be guided. So like Dela was, Dela and Sean were great. I'd like DM them. They'd always be so loving and communicative. And then I remember one day I was really frustrated with my like current 
my old gym that I, I left. Um, but I was frustrated and I was like, what, what can I do to one day be able to work with these two? And I pulled up Dayla's story and she's like, we're looking for an assistant coach. And I filled out the application right away. <laughs> and then, um, it's funny. It's like all like, basically I like put it out into the universe. Like I, I would love this opportunity in the universe. It's like, here you go. There you go. It's for you. Um, and then after that, like we had our interview and they were like, all right, it was Monday. We had our interview and they're like, we'll let you know on Friday. And I was just freaking out. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I really hope I didn't fuck this up. Like I really like these people. We vibed really well, had a beautiful interview. And then they called me, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday night, Thursday morning. They're like, Hey, you got the job. And I just crying and I've been so excited so it kind of it all happened I think through the universe being like hey you two you all like kind of mesh well and you have a lot to offer and help the LB nation and just like even learn from it so it's just I kind of I've like known them for a bit but we started working together when the universe was like I'm gonna make you two like all happen and then I linked up with them in November I went up to New York to see them and it was just like I was so nervous and so excited and it just felt like, like family was great. (laughs) Yeah, no, they've probably been two of the biggest supporters. I think when it comes to anything that I do, um, Mm -hmm. I think I'm always reposting their things. They're always reposting my things. And I wrote about it yesterday and it's coming all back to the same topic of your surroundings where I was just like, I follow them because I have that mindset of like abundance where it's like yeah. well, I'm, po- I'm I'm posting their podcast like technically people would think it's a competitor because they talk about the same type of things that I talk about but it's not it's like yeah I'm me they're them I like what they talk about I'm gonna post that shit it's like that's how it comes down to like it's like we support each other no matter what. And Sean's always reposting my stuff. And like he said, like when I posted that I am enough thing, he like kind of shouted me out to kind of get people make a, like a movement to say I am enough, like on Instagram, because it's the toughest thing to do. And I was like, mm-hmm. so supportive of that moment. And like when the podcast started to kind of blow up, I don't think DLD nation, so many people from DLD nation and from bare aesthetics like their whole like these two families of people just like flooded my followers like that's just like what yeah. it was, it was just like all them just all just following and listening and it's like been like like I say I will forever like I message him like once a week saying I'm forever grateful for DLD Nation and you guys and yeah. like because it's like where would I be without them it's like I go to them for basically everything now it's like any type of decision I talk to. Yeah, they're absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. They're really like beautiful, loving people. And it's like one of the things that I love. Um, and I'm so honored to be a part of this community and this team. It's is generally is built out of really a um something like I I deeply care about. I'm very much a compassionate person and I like I'm a big my heart's like the strongest chakra, I think. And like it's it's one of those things that like the people that you choose to surround yourself with, I find like it's also the universe. It's like you two are supposed to meet. You're supposed to learn from one another. You're supposed to help one another. This is like, you know, it's just it's yeah. The universe works in pretty magnificent ways. Yeah, <laughs> especially you when we're open to it. That's what I think. Like now that you brought up this topic, I was like, I'm meant to go to the Arnold. 
I was like, mm-hmm. I'm meant to go meet all these people who I'm going to meet. It's like, yeah. Like, it's like, I'm actually going to meet Sean, you, Dela, like every Get ready for person. the hugs, dude. You're going to get a lot of hugs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for that day where I'm just going to like, like, I'm hoping in a year from now when I make this trip again, that's going to be like someone random's just going to like, I'm going to come with like a sweatshirt and someone's going to recognize me or they're going to recognize like the sweatshirt and they're going to be like, Dude, you listen yeah. to that podcast, it's going to be like, yeah, dude, I'm going to try to pull it off. Like, it's not mine whatsoever. <laughs> like, she's like, yeah, that podcast is sick. Anthony's like a dope person. I'm going to be like, yeah, it's really me, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one sees my face. That's the thing. It's only a voice. So for right now, mm-hmm. no one really sees a face, which is like the incredible part. Because you can kind of just undercover it and just walk around and no one would notice. <laughs> But it's like, it's like a cool feeling, but it's like, yeah, I'm meant to go. I like, like once I, once Sean brought up the idea of me going, like he was the one, like he was the person who like mentioned that they were going Mm -hmm. and that I told him that Jordan and Aaron were coming on my podcast. He was like, dude, we're going to be in the Arnold. Why don't you just come meet us there? And I was like, shit. Yes. (laughs) I was like, let me check my bank account real quick. And I was like all right, well, wait till I get my tax return in and pay this. And I, and I did it like in the beginning of January, I booked everything. And I was like, oh shit, I'm actually doing this. Yeah. So like next week, it's like, we're heading, we're all heading there to one huge spot where everybody's going to be. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm excited. (laughs) Oh, I couldn't be more hyped to get on a plane next Friday to go there. It's like, I need my spring break though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but we're going to head, I just want to get a little bit into this because I kind of previewed it on my story yesterday about, we'll kind of just touch on it for like 10, 20 minutes right here. Sure. Uh, being a bodybuilder and being vegan. Um, I think probably one of the toughest things I want to say for you. I don't know if it is for you cause you're so used to it now, <laughs> but in my mind, it's pretty tough. I was looking at it and we were discussing off camera that like, I'm dealing with a vegetarian as my, as one of my first few clients. And I'm like, this is even difficult to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what's the hardest part really about being vegan and also being a bodybuilder? I think like the hardest part about being a bodybuilder is I think across the realm, like checking your ego, no matter what omnivorous, keto, CrossFit, whatever, checking your ego and, you know, cause every single day there's a million different components that affect your performance your hormonal fluctuations, your sleep, the quality of food you've eaten, et cetera, so on and so forth. So every day, like that lift might feel a little heavier and you need to check your ego and not sacrifice, you know, your pride. Um, No, don't sacrifice your form for pride or for your ego and be like, oh, I need to lift this weight. And like, if you feel like shit today, don't do that. Um, I think it's really important to track RPE throughout your lifts so you make sure that you're working as hard as you can whether it's a 25 pound dumbbell or 225 pound deadlift work hard um so i think like the biggest challenge for most people is just checking your ego because i know even myself like if i'm in particularly like an angry mood and i really just want to get a good workout in my ego i'm just like no you sit down (laughs) because it's when anger's there that ego is up but um in regards to the hardest thing about being a vegan bodybuilder, I think is a lot of people thinking that vegans can't do it. 
um, which I guess it's not that hard because it's really like if you're going to choose to let external factors like infect your brain, yeah. that's up to you. But I think a lot of times individuals believe that vegans just really challenging and I guess it could be context because I've been vegan for nearly nearly two decades now like I don't find it very hard like I actually have to scale back on my protein because I tend to go over like I easily can go over my protein goals um so it's just making sure like for being being a vegan bodybuilder just making sure that you're getting the adequate amount of nutrients and minerals and vitamins in your diet so that you are not having some sort of deficiency um so Usually with a vegan diet, I always suggest like making sure that you're vitamin D, whether ever you live in the world, everyone should take vitamin D unless you're spending an hour outside. Just um, So I have a lot of my clients taking vitamin D, vegan, keto, doesn't matter, take vitamin D. Um, and then something like the only thing that vegans can't get from a natural like plant-based diet is vitamin D12, yeah. um, unless you're eating fortified foods. So I always incorporate like have nutritional yeast, easy way, or get a vitamin B12 supplement. Um, another thing is making sure that you're getting a proper source of omega-3s and omega-6 fatty chain acids. So that's why there's also, I being Korean, I eat a lot of seaweed and algae-based things, so I don't really worry too much yeah. about that. But I think it's just making sure that you are properly feeding yourself and being mindful of the minerals and vitamins you're putting into your body, because you don't have anything or having anemia or having any sort of thing that's going to hinder your progress whether it's for physique goals performance goals or just being a functional human yeah <laughs> yeah i think i think the one thing that i kind of took away from the whole thing is kind of i think like you said before when you discussed like when you first mentioned you competing is having your body ready i think i think that's the hardest thing for someone to know, I think that's why it's so important to have a coach in like the off season. It's because they know. Yeah. So like, you look at anybody who's competed before and they coach and they're a good coach, they'll know. They'll tell you. It's like if you're not cut yeah. for it, or your body's not. If your biofeedback's not ready for you to do it, it's like you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I take I yeah. I literally learned all these things in my health class like this past week in my nutrition class about the omega threes, <laughs> the vitamin D, the vitamin B twelve. So it's like, I mean, I've taken vitamin D for like a year now. It's great. Oh yeah. Everyone should. Yeah. Everybody needs to. Omega-3 is iffy. Just depends on, you can't, it's hard to find a great, a really good omega-3 supplement. I think that's like one of the hardest things to do. Um, But it's like, I think just having, like you were saying is also checking your ego. Cause I think like you and me, since we have a lot of dark moments, there's a lot of shit that we can go back to to kind of just lift out a weight. And yeah. I've done it before where I've just been like really pissed. And I remember someone was talking about it. I think it was, there's these two bodybuilders that have a show. It's called It's Just Bodybuilding. It's like Dusty Hanshaw and um, Ron Partlow. And they discuss going into this and they're like, yeah, well, sometimes there's sometimes when you got to let your ego go and let it, let it do the work it needs to be done. But there's sometimes you got to pull back it most of the times. Cause yeah. if you take that anger moments that you have, I'm pissed off for days. It's like, once I do it, it's like, yeah, I was like, I messaged them right away when they had the guy, when they had some guest on and he was talking about it. He's like, yeah, I'm usually pissed for like a week. I was like, 
resonate with that 100%. <laughs> I was like, if I go into that dark moment, my training partner doesn't look at me. I don't look at him. I keep my head down. I wait till he's done his sets and I just absolutely go hard on my sets. I don't talk the rest <laughs> of the workout. It's just like silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. It's I really always imagine that my, like when I'm like in a very angry space, I imagine as if, this is going to sound silly. Do you ever watch, um, like, what, why am I forgetting the show? Like Goku and Gohan, um, whenever they like, they have the orbs of power. Like I imagine my anger is just these orbs. <laughs> You're about to say, I'll just them, yeah, I'll just put them into the barbell. I'm like, just fucking go. And that way, like, I know it's, I'm very, I try to imagine that my anger is like being pumped out of me with every single rep. And then I'm like, okay, I breathed it out. No anger. It's, so I always find that the gym is just affordable therapy. <laughs> oh, 100%. I think it's a therapy for the other reason, but it's like, it's just like, oh no. Like once, once I like, know I need to get there and like my training partner pisses me off. Like he pissed, like he legitimately, I will say this, he pissed me off yesterday because I kind of was failing on a weight and he, and it might've been half my fault and half his fault. I didn't ask for a spot, number one. And that he didn't like, he was behind me, ready to give me a spot. And then like, he just mm-hmm. wasn't looking when I failed. So I was kind of just like hanging yeah. on. I was doing dumbbell overhead extension. So I was just hanging on to like an 80 pound dumbbell, just overhead. And I'm like, <sighs> and then I finally had to like turn it over my shoulder and drop it. And he, and I was like, dude, what the fuck in the middle of the gym. And I was like, oh no, I was like, this is going to piss me off. And he like, he's like, I did nothing wrong. And I'm like, you're right. I like had to take a breath and be like, yep, that was 100% my fault. I should not have yelled and should have asked for a spotter. <laughs> but it was a pretty dangerous situation with an 80 pound dumbbell. I was not, I was not set on that. I was very scared. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> so, I didn't crush my head. So we're good. Yeah. Um, I think we're heading to the end here because I'd like to keep it somewhat within a reasonable time for people to listen. Oh, damn. <laughs> we didn't hit on, and just letting everybody know, we hit on about two of the points that I had scheduled for this whole podcast, um, <laughs> which was great. It took a complete 180. Um, so we'll definitely have to get you back on and do more of the bodybuilding and the vegan thing. Oh, I'm so game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I usually end the end the whole show with three questions um okay first one is what three things if you could summarize this podcast would you want people to leave with i would want them to leave with the assurance and knowledge that they are capable of living the life they want to have and they deserve they are also No matter what dark moment they're in or have dealt with, it doesn't need to be your identity and it doesn't have to be your destination. And you do have the power to take those traumas and turn them into your strengths. Yeah. Um, And then another thing, huh? that it is worthwhile to take that time to work on your relationship with yourself so that you can be the greatest version of yourself. Yeah. A lot of like heady trippy stuff. Do the work. Become a great friend to your own body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that was the whole 
I think that was the whole first like 45 minutes of this podcast was they just, <laughs> um, then the next question is, um, what three books and or podcasts would you recommend everybody either read or listen to? No, well, obviously this one. Not, not, not a lot. No, um, not a lot. <laughs> um, this episode. So, yeah. <laughs> Some books I really love. I love Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. I think that's a great book and it puts a lot of things into perspective. I also do recommend the book, Why Does He Do That? It's for a lot of women who are survivors of abusive relationships or it's, um, it's very healing and it's important for women to, to not blame themselves or take on that, that burden. So I think uh, Why Does He Do That is a very good book. And then, oh gosh. I, I love Ever Forward Radio. That's my favorite podcast. I really do enjoy it. I feel like every time I listen to it, I have a lot of content or a different perspective or things that I didn't even think about before. So I like that. And then The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle is a very good book too. I've got a lot of books that I really like. <laughs> so um, I think that's a great resource. And, man. Oh, and then obviously Shots to the Dome. That's another yeah. good podcast. It just started. Heyo, DLD Nation. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny because Chase is my coach. So he's my business coach. Oh, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. So me and him have a really good relationship. He was actually supposed to come on in January. Uh, he got oh, sick. So we're reworking it. He's actually coming on in a few weeks while I'm on break. So we're finally getting a chance to record. But we've oh, had that's like, so uh, cool. like December. So yeah. No, I think he'd be a great person to talk to. I mean, you already work with him. Like, just speaking about, like, vulnerability. Like, yeah. I know he's been on a huge journey about that. And it's, I think that, well, I know that for, it, it is especially challenging for men to be emotionally vulnerable and to tap into that because through patriarchal values, there's very much like the dissociation of mind-muscle, mind-body connection. So for men to be able to tap into those emotions and even say, like tell their brothers, I love you, or I appreciate you and show that like, show that you are a feeling autonomous person can be challenging because of societal norms, but it is ultimately incredibly empowering. Like I know my partner is a very communicative individual, my brother as well, because he's got yours truly as a sister. <laughs> um, but I definitely know that, like, yeah, he'd be a great person to talk to about vulnerability. You should also check out Brene Brown. She's kind of a classic. Okay. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, Chase, we're basically going to be discussing that whole stuff, so it's going to be another episode to watch. Um, oh, I'm excited to hear it. <laughs> that one's not going to be out for like two months. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love it. And then last question. Uh, you got your minute of fame here. Just kind of just give yourself a nice little shout out. Where can people find you? Shameless plug yourself. Oh yeah. Um, so most people can find me on Instagram. My handle is vegan beats, V E G A N B E A T S. Um, I share a lot about my own journey being a survivor also recovering from eating disorders, but like finding this love of fitness. Uh, where else can you find? like, that's primarily it. Cause I don't understand Twitter very well at all. <laughs> so Instagram is the main place. And, um, also on dealnation.com. I'm one of the assist coaches there. And my big mission is to help women fall in love with themselves and become so empowered and confident that they don't know where they start. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, you heard her Instagram. 
Go give her a follow. She deserves it. Um, and if you want her coaching, I think today really symbolized why, if you're a woman, why you should want her to be your coach. Um, DLD Nation specifically, I vouch for yeah. them. They're <laughs> incredible in general. I talk to every single one of their coaches personally. So, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode. Um, if you're in tears, just keep crying. Let it all out. Um, me and Vanessa really do appreciate you guys listening to this episode of the Ace of Spader podcast.